Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up, everybody, and welcome in to Commanding the Huddle. I'm your host, Ryan Fowler from the Draft Network. And today's episode is going to be a little bit of a switch up from what you guys may have expected this episode to be. I was going to talk about a couple guys moving into 2023 in the Burgundy goal that I wanted to see more of. But today, with the NFL Combine this week, I'll be in Indy throughout the week seeing these guys live interviews, meetings. I'll be live inside the stadium in Lucas Oil watching these guys work out. I want to give you guys a full deep dive into guys to watch for this week in Indy. From tight ends group, linebackers, corners, offensive linemen, guys to watch when you're watching all week long. Now I'll get into the schedule as we move into this episode as far as each day. Each day is segmented out. Guys arrive the First group of linemen and linebackers arrived today, Sunday, in Indianapolis. Guys are segmented throughout the week. DBs arrive tomorrow. QBs, wideouts, and tight ends arrive on on Tuesday. O-line and running backs don't arrive until Wednesday. So everything's kind of planned out and segmented to where they have interviews, they have their pre-exams, they have orientation, they have their general medical exams, broadcast interviews. TDN, us at the Draft Network, we're going to have a set Inside the convention center, having a bunch of player interviews and all the types of different content for you guys. So make sure you keep it locked to the Draft Network on all of our platforms all week long. And of course, I will be there, as I mentioned. So if you don't follow me already on Twitter, underscore Ryan Fowler, I have a lot of updates of players and interviews and comments and highlights of guys throughout the week. So, but I want to give you guys a full preview. And this is such a, this is the biggest pre-draft event of the year. You know, we've had all the pre-draft showcases as far as the Shrine Bowl, the Senior Bowl, Hula Bowl, Tropical Bowl. All those events are done. And after this, it's pro days and individual separate workouts where guys want to bring in certain athletes into their organ and into their facility and have them work out. And then you have top 30 visits and you have formal meetings and all this type of stuff will really start to, we'll get into the meat of the process as we head into the early portions of March, as we move in to next week. So with that being said, I want to jump into the first position group and the first position group of need for Washington. And that starts up front with the front five, because now with Eric Bieniemy in the building, I'm extremely interested to see how Washington approaches this draft. How does their offensive mind, right, their, their approach to this class change with how different a mind that Eric Bieniemy brings than what Scott Turner was. Because he has full control of the offense. Because you look at Scott Turner, I don't think he made any specific decisions when it came to war room time to say, I'm going to pound the table for this offensive player. Was Brian Robinson maybe a guy? Was Chris Paul moving into day three? One of Scott Turner's guys, maybe two guys he saw down at the Senior Bowl last year? Possibly. I mean, Cole Turner and Sam Howell could have been those guys as well. All guys that were down in Mobile. But Eric Bieniemy, I feel, is going to be extremely heavily involved, as he should, as the assistant head coach and offensive coordinator with who he's going to take on the offensive side of the ball. Because Washington, you know, we heard this week they're bringing back Jonathan Williams, so he'll be back. 
That means, well, Jarrett Patterson is without a contract. He's most likely to be gone. But you got Brian Robinson, Antonio Gibson, J.D. McKissick, and Jonathan Williams. That's four backs. And when you watch Jonathan Williams run over the last few years, he deserves to be in Washington and deserves some carries and deserves some touches. So that's a guy that's going to run hard, produce for you, and take every not take a snap for granted. And those are the types of guys that the enemy wants in his offense. So now you look at this draft class, and again, we're going to start up front. But guys, I just want you to keep an eye on, and, and that starts with Steve Avila. Big boy, interior lineman out of TCU. Gotten to know him pretty well throughout this process. A high character individual, and just a, he just looks like a guard. And there's really other, no other way to explain it. Just a big, burly, strong dude that also has the necessary agility to move and displace defenders vertically and laterally along the line of scrimmage, whether you want to run power and gap or you want to run some zone and have him pull into his right or pull into his left. There's just some different things that Steve Avila can do along that front five. And I think if you want to make some changes at guard, who knows what we're going to do at right guard this year, right? We have questions. Is it going to be Sam Cosme? Is it going to be Cornelius Lucas? Are they going to swap on the right side? Are they going to get some fresh legs in the building? And then we'll talk about free agency later on as some some targets that they're going to target this year. If they don't have a guy, you know, they target someone in free agency and they don't want to have it in the draft because obviously we, we will see free agency occur before April. But Steve Avila, as a guy that's going to go on day two, potentially early within the top 40, 45 picks, you know, Washington sitting there in that back end of the 40s, potentially he could be there for them. So Steve Avila, interior lineman from TCU. Um, another thing I wanted to point out is certain drills that I look for just from a foundational standpoint from an athlete, because we've seen the games. You guys, I'm sure, have watched TCU this year and the success that they've had. You turn on the film, you microscope him as an athlete, then you see him in Indianapolis and see all these guys show up in a t-shirt and shorts and it's the underwear Olympics, whatever you want to call it. And we always get so hyped up on the skill guys, what they're going to run on the 40, how explosive they are in the broad and the vert, how many times can an alignment push 225 off their chest in the bench press. But seeing them on the field, in these on-field drills, just fundamentally move in a neutral environment, you can tell, and I know a lot of you guys out there have been around sports a long time, looked at a lot of athletes in different sports. Sometimes all it takes is just the old eye test. And we get so caught up sometimes in analytics and all these different things that we use to evaluate these prospects and these years. And just sometimes you just see a guy and go, he can play ball. And when I look at Steve Avila, I look at Jalen Duncan from Maryland. I look at Darnell Wright from offensive tackle from Tennessee. Those are really the three main guys that I want you guys to pay attention to in Indianapolis, just functionally how they move so well at their size. And guys, especially in Duncan and Wright, that could align at left tackle or right tackle. Now, it's easier said than done moving from the left side to the right side or vice versa at the NFL level. We've seen that happen with a couple guys in the last few years have some struggles the first few games of their career, first year of their career, switching from either side. But at the end of the day, Jalen Duncan... And Darnell have the functional athleticism and production and skill set to where their best football, in my eyes, is down the road, two, three years down the road. And you have to get individuals in the building that are able to keep Sam Howell both upright, be able to clear lanes for the running game because it will be a well-balanced approach from Washington both this year and and moving forward under B enemy whether he's the strict offensive coordinator or as a, as an offensive minded head coach down the road but 
you got to get guys that are fresh legs on the outside that can do both things for you in both facets, in the run and in the pass. And one of the guys I'll talk about in upcoming episodes as far as someone that I want to see more of moving into future seasons is Sam Cosme, second rounder out of Texas. You draft guys in the second round, you have expectations for them. Same thing with Deami Brown. Same thing with Phil Mathis moving into this fall. Now, the injury, obviously, we want to see him in that, in, if you will, the redshirt campaign this year. But for Sam, you know, he's been bounced the right tackle, right guard. He's swapping with Cornelius Lucas. Sometimes he showcases his ability to be dominant. And then at times he almost looks unplayable. So finding that equilibrium within his skill set and just being able to understand, hey, am I going to play guard? Am I going to slide inside? I need those bumpers to either side of me to be able to work. And, and you look at him as an athletic prospect. I mean, this guy is an elite athlete at his size. But if that, these aren't your guys. Right? This, is, this is not Biennemi's guys. Biennemi didn't have any say in who they drafted or who they signed in free agency or who they traded for, anything on offense. Any way of transaction, addition or subtraction in, in past years, Biennemi hasn't had any say. Now he does because he does have full reins of this offense. And you look at the, the athletes that he had in Kansas City at left tackle, right tackle just last year, Orlando Brown, super athletic tackle out of Oklahoma. There's two offensive tackles from Oklahoma this year that we could be interested in. Anton Harrison and Wanye Morris. Wanye Morris was down at the senior bowl. Anton Harrison could be a potential late first round pick. He continues to rise as an athlete again. That's best football down the road. But we know Washington had success in years past drafting a tackle out of Oklahoma. Is Anton or Wanye Trent Williams? No. Absolutely not. But Oklahoma's consistently pumped out good offensive linemen. Look at Orlando Brown in Kansas City. Look at Creed Humphrey in the middle of that offense. Both former Sooners. So again, along with Wright and Duncan and Steve Avila, keep an eye out for Wanya Morris and Anton Harrison, both guys that are elite athletes. And again, best football down the road and guys that can displace uh, pass rushers and outside linebackers in the run game and then throw guys in the dirt and staple their feet, their feet in the ground and dig their cleats in the dirt and push guys in their face and pass pro to keep Sam Howell upright. So those are just a few offensive linemen I want you guys to keep an eye on. Let's take a, a step to the opposite side of the ball. We're going to go with linebackers and a, just a couple names off the jump. Dayon Henley, linebacker from Washington State. Shaka Hayward from Duke. And Cam Jones from Indiana are three guys that I have bolded, circled, red dotted, highlighted, whatever you want to say. As far as who I want to see, I want to see them run. I want to see how explosive they are. I want to see them in on-field drills. Again, neutral environment, different certain drills, how they move in coverage, how they flip their hips, ability to run, make a play on the football, high-pointing the football. We want guys that are able to create uh, plays on the football. And defensively, turnover that turnover margin consistently increase the turnover margin and get the ball back to your offense. I watched Cam and Dayon down at the Senior Bowl. I loved what I saw. Dayon was kind of an incomplete evaluation for me at Washington State. I thought he was an extreme athlete. He was a former convert from the offensive side of the football. You could see how well and smooth he moves in coverage on tape. Now it's just going to Indianapolis and nailing interviews. Now it's funny because we always talk about quarterbacks, right? You got to nail the interview process as a quarterback and they get you on a whiteboard in Indianapolis. Well, it's just as important for other positions because we know how important Ron Rivera and Martin Mayhew want individuals in the building that are high character guys, right? Terry McLaurin, Jamin Davis with his military background. Those guys over the years that have come into Washington as extremely high character guys 
and then have the ability as high-level athletes and just flat-out good football players. I think I think all these guys fit that that script. Dayon Shaka and Cam Jones. Shaka Hayward is probably a name that you guys haven't heard of a ton. I loved his game at Duke. I think he provides some physicality at the second level as far as being able to be an above-average blitzer if you want to send him through the A and B gaps. I have no problem with him in coverage. Would he be a starter from day one for me uh, alongside um, Jamin Davis and Cole Holcomb? Absolutely not. I think he's a rotational guy from day one and offer you a core special teamer. He's going to be a guy that's taken on day three, but you need those types of guys within the lungs of your defense to be able to do a lot of different things. Cam Jones, very similar. Loved what I saw from him again down at the Senior Bowl. Um, He's not just a plugger in the run game trying to fill gaps. He explodes through holes when he sees them. Extremely confident in his eyes and what he's seeing in his landmarks and coverage. That's the name of the game now, ladies and gentlemen. It's not just linebackers, the Mike Singletary's, the Brian Erlacher's, the Zach Thomas days of just filling those A and B gaps in the run game and chasing the flat areas of the offense. You have to be able to flip your hips and and cover a running back that can run 4-4 or cover a tight end that can run 4-4, 4-5. That's 255 pounds in space and in man, not just trying to find a guy in zone and play in robot where you flip your back to the quarterback, turn around and find those crossers in front of you as an athlete and just understanding what the hell you're actually doing. So again, Cam, Dayon, and Shaka, three, three guys pay attention to in Indianapolis. Take a step back to the corners room. We obviously know the names. We know the faces. Christian Gonzalez from Oregon. Joey Porter Jr. from Penn State. Devin Weatherspoon from Illinois. Cam Smith from South Carolina. The names go on and on. I mean, Clark Phillips III from Utah. Travis Hodges-Tomlinson, a kid from TCU. I'm extremely interested to see how he tests and how he interviews, getting to know him a little bit more. People are going to uh, flack him. Him and Clark Phillips, again, from Utah, are going to kind of flack him for uh, he's not big. He doesn't have great arm length. Well, we saw a guy last year and Roger McCreary from Auburn go on day two and have a lot of success for the Titans this year. So if a guy can play on the outside, he can play on the outside. Whether you want to stick him in the slot because he has that smaller frame or you want to give him some changes on the outside, who knows, right? We'll see. But we know that Washington needs help within their secondary. They're fine in the, in the safeties room. I like what they have in their young talent and veteran talent as well. But in the corners room, they need some help. Um, again, same thing with Cosme. I'm going to talk about Benjamin St. Juice as he move into for, forward with guys I want to see more of. Moving into his now year three, he's got to be on the football field because I think his potential is a CB1 in this league. But Washington may look for that CB1A this year and potentially slide Kendall Fuller into the slot. And those names I just mentioned a couple minutes ago are all names that may be available for Washington as they sit there with the 16th overall pick. Do they want to trade up and get a guy? Are they potentially going to trade back like they did last year? If they see a guy on their board that may be there at 20, 21, 22, who knows? Maybe they want to go back to 25, 26. Because remember, Washington doesn't have a third round pick this year. That was traded to Indianapolis when they got Carson Wentz. So no third round pick. This, uh, this is a draft that depends on who you ask. The depth isn't there. For some, it is. For me, I actually like this class. I like the guys as you move it to third round, fourth round, fifth round. I think there's a ton of value there for individuals at every position group that the burgundy and gold needs. But in the corners room, you just got to get athletes. And you've seen these guys move. I remember thinking back to years ago, watching Jeff Okuda, Detroit Lions, former top 10 pick, and seeing him move in space. And I wasn't a big fan of him coming out of Ohio State. And then seeing him moving into Indianapolis just kind of secured my thoughts on him. And he's had a rough start to his career. He was better this year. But just sometimes, again, folks, it comes down to the eye test and just seeing these guys move live. We've seen some of them, right? I was down at the Senior Bowl, talked to a lot of scouts and individuals around the league as far as their thoughts on these players. But 
Again, just the old eye test. How neutral can they stay in their base when they're asking to backpedal and then flip their hips and sprint 30 yards and high point the football? How smooth do they look in those environments? Because the brights, the lights are going to be bright at Lucas Oil, right? All eyes of the NFL are on you in that moment. Are you going to, are you going to be able to, to still showcase the ability that you showed all year long there in that environment? Now, at the end of the day, again, take the combine with a grain of salt, not just what they run in the 40 or how they interview because we're always going to hear things. The medicals are obviously huge. But you know, you know, watching these guys on, on, on field drills, take a little bit of a grain of salt, but you still watch the film. You've watched them in games. You actually watch them with their helmet on and strapped up with pads and be able to compete on a football field. That's what got them here in the first place. So you can't really overrule that and put too much weight into what you see at the combine. But at the end of the day, it's why they have this event. And that's why they put these guys through a variety of drills to see how they are functionally from an athletic perspective See how they move in certain situations. So the DB's room, keep an eye on every single DB if you can. But, I mean, the top of the names are Christian Gonzalez, Cam Smith. Again, as I mentioned earlier, from South Carolina. Darius Rush is another name from South Carolina. I've talked to you guys about before on here as a as a stud that was down at the Senior Bowl. I love his game as a former wide receiver. Julius Brents from Kansas State. He's going to be extremely long. Interested to see what he runs. I am interested in that because he's a long strider. I'm interested in that 10-yard split, how, how he's a— able to just explode off the line of scrimmage. And if he's a corner, right, you're going to flip those hips, dig that foot in the ground. If you're pressing vertical and you're asked to turn your back to the quarterback, how quickly can you eat that gap if a guy is able to, you know, your receiver, a quarterback, excuse me, you look on the outside, it's if you're if a receiver is even, he's leaving. If you're a corner in Julius Brents and you're long and you're lanky and you got those long limbs in your lower half, how can you? How long can you stay in your back pedal, flip those hips, dig that foot in the ground, and get from zero to sixty? Does it take you four or five seconds, or does it take you a second, second and a half? That's a huge difference, and that ability to then close that gap and then use that length on the football, whether it's just a PBU or an interception. So that's just a few names. A couple more. Alex Austin from Oregon State has been a riser within the leagues within league circles. Jacorian Bennett from Maryland. I've talked about. A little bit on here, Makai Blackman from USC, Cameron Mitchell from Northwestern. Another small school kid, I'm extremely interested to see how he tests specifically because I, I really like what he offers as a corner. I think he's going to be extremely smooth in on-field stuff. Is Nick Jones from Ball State. I expect him to run extremely fast and raise his stock a little bit. So this is just overall, folks, it's an extremely deep class of corners. And I really even like the safeties. I mean, you think of Trey Dean from Florida, Brian Branch, if you want to classify him as a nickel, you want to classify him as an outside corner, as a safety. You know, there's a lot of names in this class that I like um, in this DB's room. It's just so deep. Day one, day two, day three. And I fully believe that Washington's going to do their due diligence in adding guys within the secondary. Maybe it's one guy or two guys where they had a guy at free agency, got to get legs in that secondary to improve your ability to cover these guys, both in the NFC East and then the NFC. So from there, last position group that I want to focus on is tight ends. This is an extremely deep group of tight ends, and we know how important the tight end position, the flex position, the hybrid position that the tight end spot can be, whether you're playing the Y, whether you're playing the F flexed out, whether you're playing H back a little bit in the backfield, doing some different things that they did with Travis Kelsey and Noah Gray and Blake Bell over the years. Consistently, Jody Fortson as well. The names go on and on at Kansas City, what the enemy did in the tight ends room. And right now you got three guys that you're planning to move into in 2020. Excuse me, four guys, right? 
Logan Thomas, John Bates, Cole Turner, Armani Rogers. Logan Thomas could very easily be a cap casualty this year because Armani Rogers, as I've mentioned it before, is their best athlete in the tight ends room right now. And there's no question about it. But you got to get somebody potentially in this class. See how high they go or how or how low they go, how they value their position. Do they want a free agent? I don't think they're going to spend some, try to get big money and spend it on a Darren Waller or a Dalton Schultz or a Mike Gusecki. I hope not, ladies and gentlemen, especially on Gusecki. But in this tight ends class, there's just so many names to circle. Just a few names. Luke Musgrave from Oregon State. Davis Allen from Clemson. Zach Kuntz from Old Dominion. Sam Laporta from Iowa and Blake Whitehart from Wake Forest was an absolute stud at the Shrine Bowl, watching the tape of their practices and watching his games in the ACC this year. He was uncoverable at times. He can play the Y, which is attached to the line of scrimmage and, and stick his face in as a, as a blocker. Not the biggest guy in the world, but you have to have a value in a guy as far as just having those sure hands over the middle field and understanding where to sit in zone and understanding how to separate against man and just being able to do so many different things and you know, last two years, Washington's taken a guy on day three in John Bates and Cole Turner, and it really has not worked out. Logan Thomas obviously didn't reach the performance ceiling that was expected this year. There's been some health issues with him. I mean, we obviously saw it with Cole in year one with the concussion during the meat of the season. Missed a lot of games. John Bates is that modern day why, if it will throw back why, if you will. He just primarily 70-80% of his game. If John Bates is in the game, most likely Washington ran the ball last year. Now that goes into John, excuse me, to Scott Turner being predictive, right? And stagnant in his offensive structure and just changing up his looks, right? Just always asking John to block. Now he does a good job of it. He was a top rookie blocker from tight end position back in his rookie season of 2021. But in the BNME offense, he just values athletes and ability to do it all. And the names I just mentioned, I mean, you'll start with Luke Musgrave, expected to run consistent four fours. He's challenging right now to be tight end one. You know, you look at the top of the board tight ends, it's going to be Michael Mayer from Notre Dame. It's going to be Darnell Washington from Georgia, Dalton Kincaid from Utah, Tucker Craft from South Dakota State. Luke Musgrave is right there. And if he goes out again this year, he only played two games. He's got a nasty scar down his knee. He's fully healthy now. And down at the Senior Bowl, I had multiple times to talk to Luke see how he's feeling. His legs are getting under him. He's consistently running four fours. This guy's a big kid. I mean, he's listed at 6'5". He looks all of 6'6", 6'7". This is a huge dude. Looks like a lineman, over 245 pounds, just a massive individual and just looks the part of a Pro Bowl tight end. He really does. And I think he's going to go high. I I would not be shocked if he gets out, if if he's taken at the the later portions of round one. Uh, Again, Michael Mayer most likely will be off the board as a first tight end. And then Darnell, I mean, big 6'8", 270-pound kid from Georgia. He's going to be your first pick in a schoolyard pick as far as just size and strength. And then you look at his mobility and agility. And then in the Georgia offense, there just wasn't a lot of targets to be had because they have Brock Bowers, who most likely is going to be a, a top 20, top 25 pick next year's draft. Um, they had Oscar Delp at Georgia, a five-star freshman. They had Eric Gilbert, a transfer from LSU, who was a five-star that really didn't work out there, but the, what I mean is the production wasn't all there for Darnell, and then it's just his game is just from projecting it to the next levels. Why teams are so high on him because of his verticality, because of his agility, his ability to block his tail off, and 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 when I say block his tail off, I'm not just saying engaging with alignment or engaging with an outside back or engaging with a safety on the outside. This guy can blow through you, 
And with that size, he plays big. His ability to high point the football. I really like Darnell Washington. I think he's someone, again, these guys have that high floor, high ceiling. It makes them a unique prospect and separates them a little bit. I think with Michael Mayer, he's got an extremely high floor. I don't know if there's a safer prospect in this draft than Michael Mayer. The ceiling, though, I think there's other guys in this tight end class that are, it's loftier than his. But just specifically with, with guys like Luke Musgrave and Davis Allen, another senior bowl guy, the getting eyes on them matters. And I'm not asking everyone to be Kyle Pitts. I'm not asking everyone to be Travis Kelsey or George Kittle. I'm just asking you to have sure hands over the middle field, offer some rack or yak, yards after catch, run after catch, be that flex weapon that every single offense needs. And you're looking at Sam Howell and you're looking at this enemy offense, you need guys over the middle of the field, that five to 15 yard portion to where he's not just being able to hit you on a second and four or a third and eight or a first and 10. He's able to hit you inside the red zone and the deep red zone. If you're first and goal from the 12 and he wants to hit you in the back of the end zone, you got a safety coming down, hitting your ribs. You're able to come down with that ball and then run away from a safety over the middle of the field when you're inside the 20s. You got to have guys that can do that nowadays. And we know that the enemy's offense is going to be extremely versatile from a structure standpoint, right? I expect them to align in a lot of 11 personnel this year, which means one running back, one tight end on the field, three wide receivers. That's your base personnel. But if you want to run with two tight ends on the field, or you want to throw some unique looks with three tight ends on the field, because Kansas City has done that over the last five years, you're going to need guys in the building that cannot just, they're not just 250 pounds and they're a further extension of the offensive line. You have to have athletes on the field that can change the math from the defensive perspective and force everyone to cover every single blade of grass, right? Not just designating, oh, we're going to keep our eyes on Terry and Jahan, and we're not worried about anybody else. We're going to keep everything under us. We're going to funnel it to the inside. You have guys that continually change the math, which we know the enemy will do from a structure perspective and the architecture of the offense. But you're going to have fresh legs under center in Sam Howell. So getting a guy that can be that sure set of hands and an athlete over the middle of the field, there's a lot of guys in this class that you can grab day one, day two, day three. Do I think Washington's going to take a tight end on day one? I don't. But again, their draft philosophy on the offensive side of the ball may change a little bit. I'm doing my due diligence to get as many nuggets as I can out of that building as far as where Washington will go come draft night and how their approach will be on the offensive side of the ball. But right now, with Eric coming into the building, everything is fresh, right? The combine is where we're going to see who's Washington meeting with. I'll have a ton of info on that on that point of view as far as for you guys, as far as who Washington's meeting with, who they're setting up with formal meetings and top 30s and how meetings went and interviews and stuff like that at the combine. But all these guys are going to be there, right? Ron, Eric, Martin Mayhew, all these guys are going to be in Indy getting a glimpse of these guys for the first time, because this whole entire process, and in years prior, because I want something I want to point out to you guys is the scouting process doesn't just start this year. A lot of these cross-checking scouts, these area scouts, have scouted these players for two, three years already. So Ron Rivera, Eric Bianami, you know, he's getting a little in tune with some of the area scouts and stuff like that as far as what they're looking for offensively. But this is the first time these guys, the brain trust of this Washington offensive staff is going to see these guys for the first time. And if a guy pops, he can rise on the board, obviously, immensely within within the Burgundy and Gold's war room. So I'm extremely excited for the combine. I know you guys are too. It's one of the best events of the year. All four days of testing, again, the defensive linemen and linebackers have their on-field workouts 
on Thursday. And then on Friday, we got the DBs and specialists. Saturday, we got the quarterbacks, wideouts, and tight ends. And then Sunday wraps up with the offensive linemen and running backs. So every single day, there's guys to watch. There's guys that will rise. There's guys that will fall a little bit. We'll have discords on some guys. I'll give you a recap of my thoughts the following week. But all in all, folks, I mean, we are in the meat of the process now. I mean, this is late February. We This is the biggest interview of these young athletes' life. The Combine is, you know, as, you know, Indianapolis isn't going to rank up there with the Los Angeleses of the world, the New York Cities, the Miamis, as far as just, you know, the atmosphere and things like that. But just, it's all about football. And it's amazing how the city just buzzes when the Combine comes to town. I'm extremely excited to to get to Indy. Another year at the Combine is always a blessing. Seeing these individuals that work out live is just, it provides a, a clear window into who these guys are. And again, from a character perspective as well, who they are behind the face mask and what they're going to offer within a team as far as who they are as individuals when they have their helmets off and the leaders that they can be within the hashes when it comes time to kick off at one o'clock on Sunday. So that's going to do it for this episode. Hope you guys enjoyed. If you did, please leave a like, review, share, subscribe. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify. Again, if you don't follow me on Twitter already, I'm at underscore Ryan Fowler. All my written work is housed at thedraftnetwork.com. As I mentioned at the top, lots of video content and audio content coming out from Indy this week. I'll be sitting down with a bunch of players. So lots of good stuff coming your way from a content perspective. Hope you guys enjoy the combine as well. Enjoy your week. Enjoy your weekend. I will talk to you guys a week from Tuesday once I get back from Indianapolis for a full recap of the Combine. And again, we'll jump into a few guys that I want to see more of as we move into the 2023 season. So that's going to do it for this episode. As always, appreciate you guys tuning in. I will talk to you a little over a week. I am Ryan Fowler from the Draft Network, and this is Commanding the Huddle. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.